So in this moment, we give you Forest View, especially as we look ahead to the coming year. God, we want revival in Oakville, Burlington, Milton, and beyond. We understand it takes a childlike faith with humility and full submission. First, Lord, we pray for our young people. They are tomorrow's leaders. We are in awe of their creativity, their energy, and their willingness to try new things. Help us to see your vision and get out of the way in their lives. God, use them, their talents, their potential, their energy, their hungry hearts, and their honest faith. You know them by name. Follow on them in this moment powerfully and release your Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ's name. We pray for the leadership team. In Jeremiah, God is described as a potter. You take clay, you put it in your hands, you mold it, you break it down, and you rebuild it. As, as, as Forest View enters this time of reflection in an earnest desire to follow your leading, please be close to this team. May their hours together be blessed. Give them ears to hear your voice and wisdom to, and the wisdom that you gave Solomon. And also we pray for the members of FV, us, God, for one another. We want to surrender our lives completely. In Romans 6.13, Paul tells us that we offer every part of ourselves to you as an instrument of righteousness, for, you are under, for we are under your grace. Sometimes the pain of brokenness feels too hard to endure, yet we hold on to the truth that it cannot withstand the power of your love. And the hurt of relationships cannot outweigh the healing of your mercy, and the ache of circumstances cannot outlast the presence that you are with us. May we receive the gift of brokenness and embrace your grace. As a broken people, we need more of you, Lord. Etch into our hearts the needs of others that we may focus less on ourselves. Release your spirit radically this week, God. As we leave the service today, may your Holy Spirit penetrate our thoughts, our conversations, and our relationships so that every single person that we interact with will be brought into your presence, into your presence because of um, how close you are to us. May we walk in confidence that the same power that conquered the grave lives in us today. Now to him, we say all together, who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, hear, or even imagine, according to your power that has worked within us, to him be the glory in the church, and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Um, turn to the person next to you and greet them, and junior high, you are dismissed. I can still remember the mix of excitement and trepidation that I felt when I put my hands on the two handles and I put my foot up on the step and pulled myself up onto this giant construction machine. Giant backhoe. These things are massive, like to the point where you could just knock out a wall just by swinging it the wrong way quite easily. I remember Growing up as someone who was part of construction since about the age of 16, I, I worked every summer in construction. I was part of the labor's union, so I didn't have the skills, but I would be digging holes, I'd be helping uh, operators, I'd be do, do whatever I needed to do to help the building happen. And one thing I, I remember is always looking at these machines and seeing their power and just the, 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 their abilities and, and just kind of dreaming. Right? You ever see a little kid playing a little Tonker Cup? To, and you're just like, oh, wouldn't that be cool someday? But of course, as a laborer, uh, I was not allowed near the machines until one day 
I was on a pipeline and we were far in the backwoods of a farmer's field and um, everyone was gone. I remember the operator saying to me, would you like to give her a go? <laughs> yes, yes, I would like to try that. And I remember getting up there and just feeling the, the power just rumbling in that machine. Was like, and so I remember the first thing he did was trying uh, moving this thing. Like, it's kind of lurching around because I'm not smooth. They can like pick up a dime with it. I can maybe crush a building or something. And uh, I remember when they, when they, the first time you start digging the hole and trying to move it over. And then eventually there was like these, these concrete blocks. He's saying, watch this. And he got me to pick up and, and pull the bucket in and then like smash this, this giant boulder as if it was like turning it almost like into rubble. I was like, whoa. That is a powerful tool. I believe that we are powerful tools. That God has a plan to use and to build, to construct something with. And that as we've been walking through this period of time looking at the, the church in Ephesus, we realize that Paul looks at the church and he sees that God has a plan for them and he wants to build something up with this church. And so as we're talking about visioning as a church at Forest View, we're looking into the book of Ephesians, asking God to show us what it is to be building up his church. And today we're learning that most importantly, we are built by God. Begins in Ephesians 2. We're going to go through the whole chapter of Ephesians 2. Very important chapter, very powerful chapter, uh, very important for history. But we're going to fly through this chapter altogether just to hit this theme and see what it means to be built by God. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now in work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one may boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is a powerful passage. Uh, we're nearing the, the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation, coming up very shortly. This passage helped transform the world. When Martin Luther read this for the first times with, with new eyes, he realized that his faith was not about him, what he did, his works, how he kind of served God hard enough, did enough things, got rid of enough sins, and then all of a sudden he would be able to have a relationship with God. He realized it's, it's the other way around. No one deserves God, but God loves everyone. He wants everyone to come to know him. And through Jesus, through believing in Jesus, we establish his relationship with God, and we have this newfound freedom. And what he's doing with all of this 
is he's building something up. That he is giving this grace to his people because he has a vision of what he wants to do. He wants to show his kindness. He wants to show his grace and his love. And he's building up with people who are his handiwork. He's turning us and crafting us, I believe, into tools so he can build this church. He's forming us into stones and blocks which, with which he can build up his church. Not by works. No matter how hard you try, it doesn't matter if you have a great plan, you want to build this, you can do this for God. It's about his grace, giving to you a grace so that you can respond in good works. Do you notice that? that good works is part of God's plan. Sometimes we use the word works and we kind of throw it to the side. No, he made us, he gave us grace so that then we could do the good works and freedom and, and blessing. So as a church, together we were able to, to build up this dwelling place he talks about for his spirit. God is building his church. God is building something very special. And it's not about our plans or our production. I believe that God, you know, we might plant churches, but God waters them. We might work on vision plans, but God builds up the church. It's God who builds his church. So how does he build? I'm trying to look at this passage, kind of get some themes out of it. And I remember when we were walking through this book together as a teaching team, Brent mentioned that he used to see this, this van driving around. And on the van, it had this logo. And it said that it would destroy, design, rebuild. And I looked, at, I looked it up online. Good old Mr. Bumler, if you might have seen him on the Home and Garden television channel. This is the theme. Design, destroy, rebuild. And as I started walking through this passage, I thought, oh, this is an awesome way to see God building up his church. That there is a sense in which God looks upon what he's doing with this church, and he's going on about building his church through this whole process. And, and in order to build, God, first of all, had to destroy what had been brought before. Let's look at this in Ephesians 2.11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth were called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and he has destroyed the barrier, destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Jesus destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. That's how this whole church building movement began. 
For a long time, I think God played within the framework that humans were used to. He, he messed with them a little bit, but what he would do is, he, just like other nations, he became the god of a single nation. Now, other nations like Egypt had these, uh, they were so great and mighty and powerful, and their, their pharaohs became gods themselves. But Israel, God picked for a reason to be small and not very significant on their own. So whatever became of them, if you realize it came through God himself. This isn't a very fancy nation, a very powerful nation. If somehow their God would be worshipped by the entire planet, then you realize it's that God who's real. And so he built up a people. He selected Abraham. We kind of heard Allison pray beautifully through the stories of the, of the different people who were following God. And what he did was he first put himself in a, in a Ark of the Covenant, and people would walk with him where their tent went, and the, and the presence of God would go before them. And eventually his presence came to rest in one place, which was the temple. And that temple literally had a dividing wall. If you walked into the courtyard of the temple of Yahweh, you would be allowed into the court of the Gentiles. You would not be allowed to get through this wall that's divided everyone else from the called people of God, Israel. And Jesus Christ, through faith in him, has ripped down that wall. This is a beautiful picture of the building project. It's kind of like, um, maybe some of you have moved into a house and you, 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 you enjoyed it for a bit and you're like, you know what, this wall here, I want, I want open concept. Right? Tear down this wall. And all of a sudden you have this open, beautiful space. All, all the people can see one another. This is the picture of what Jesus is doing when God rips down this wall and he's opening it up. And now there's this beautiful family, this household, we're told. The barrier has been destroyed. Now one humanity is coming out of these two separate groups of people. We've been talking a lot about the walls, so I'm not going to loom too long on destroying the walls. We talked in September all about the different walls that get built. Some of them are built by politics, some of them are built by cultures, some of them get built by religion, by economics, by social things. All these walls that can get built up to separate people from God and people from each other. And Jesus is tearing that down. This temple that was once uh, a, a literal location on a very small country in a, a little insignificant part of the world became opened. And now God is going to live in his temple, but his temple is not built by human hands. It's built by his hands. Consequently, as he starts to design this new picture, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Here is the design, the blueprint. There used to be these different groups of people. There's the, the kingdom of Israel and the rest of the world. Now we're going to have a new design, a new picture, which is citizenship in the kingdom of God. Or you could say it's a membership in the family of God. Here's the picture. God is offering you membership in his family. No charge, no work, no nothing, just faith alone. If you put your faith in Jesus, you become part of this family. And this temple or this new this design that he's building up is built upon the foundation 
says, of, of the apostles and the prophets, of the scriptures. It's not that he threw away everything that had been done in, in the scriptures beforehand. They were all pointing towards this cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And this is the foundation. Uh, I don't know if anyone has um, been, have you seen the building of a foundation? You kind of watched it up close, maybe in part of it, or if you're having a construction design. I, I've been a part of several of them. I, I, one of them was a, a plant in Sarnia. One of them was a, a, a meat packing place in Kitchener. And I remember the, it took months, months upon months, of hundreds of men working just to get the foundation in place. You'd be digging things up. You'd be, your, your carpenters would be building the forms. Some people like myself would be sticking insulation in those forms. And basically, you'd be, over the years, over the, over the months, you'd be creating this space, and then the concrete would be poured. And you have to put the vibrators in the concrete to make it all nice and smooth and have someone finish the concrete. And it's just being built upon, built upon. But this foundation is solid. And that was what God was doing in the years before. He was building a solid foundation which all pointed to the corner, which is Jesus Christ himself. And his apostles come through that. And now upon that foundation, God is building something new. And it's all centered on Christ. It's a Christocentric vision of a new world with Jesus Christ as the, the foundation and the, the cornerstone. We had a great sermon from Matthew Skinner uh, a little while ago who, who talked, he delved into what the cornerstone was and how it works. What we realize that, is that God is designing this. He has a purpose. He has a plan. So we need to listen to him. What is his design? People had different things that they wanted Paul to do or wanted Church of Ephesus to do. And I believe part of what we need to recognize is sometimes the most important thing to do is to recognize that it's God who's building it and God who's designing it and asking and looking for his design. I think about our church. I worry about it. You worry about it. You think about it. Like, well, we're all considering trying to make plans. And, and at the end, God's got it. God is building up the church in Ephesus. Let me say to them. God is building up Forest View Church. He knows what he's doing. He's moving amongst us. He uses us. But he is the one who's building it up. He's the one who's designing this. So what is his design plan? Well, I believe that's part of the reason why we're in this period of searching for a vision together as a church. I'm sure God's put things on your heart, put things on our heart, so asking God, what, what is it that you're designing? What would you like us to be? And I pray we can discern this together and dream this together because once the plans are in place, as God starts to show us what he's, he's wanting to design and what he's wanting to build, once he puts the designs in place, he will build his church. That's what he does. That's what he loves to do. He will use our church to reach those who need the love of Jesus. And so we talk about his building. Here's a, a description of how he builds. In him the whole building is joined together. And it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Isn't that a beautiful Vision. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what he's building? He is building his temple. Now, I love the, the first part, verse 21. I think he's talking about the bigger picture, the macro church. What, what Paul, I think, has in his mind is, Paul, you've got to remember, as an apostle, has been in a lot of different churches. 
The people in Ephesus, they know Ephesus. People in Jerusalem, they know Jerusalem. People in Corinth, they know Corinth. Paul knows them all. And what he's saying is there is this beautiful macro church that's arising. This church universal, this church is crossing all this geography. And instead of us having God's presence in this one little location in Israel, now we're starting to see his, his presence across from Jerusalem all the way to Turkey, where he is. He's building this guy. He's raising up. He's constructing a holy temple. But it's not just the big picture he wants us to hear. He also speaks to Ephesus, I think, very clearly. And in him, you too. Ephesus, Forest View, he's building you too. It's not just the big macro vision. He is building each expression of his church in order to have this whole world filled with the temple of God, which is his people. God living within his people. It talks about him, him raising up together. And I love that, that picture we have, the, the idea of, like, of us holding hands. Like God can build, and he can build in your life, and you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you, but imagine what he does when he brings people who have the Holy Spirit of God within them together, as you are sitting here right now before us. You are one of the building blocks of God's church, and you sit beside other building blocks, and together we are what God is building, this holy temple. I believe he gathered all of us as an assembly, an ecclesia here right now, and the Spirit is living in us right now. It's pulsing. His Holy Spirit of God is pulsing. And guess what? God is the master builder. He is going to turn this into something beautiful. He is a master builder. Kind of, when I say that, I kind of, my head flips to the Lego movie because my kids are watching the Lego movie, and those master builders are just building, just grabbing things out of anywhere and, and all of a sudden making something out of it. Imagine what God is designing as he's a master builder, taking your gifts and your gifts, pulling in your gifts, making sure that my weaknesses are compensated. You get, get what I'm saying? He's designing this beautiful picture. And we can't see the whole thing, but he is surely building his church, both macro and right here, us at Forest View. That's what God does. He's, he's a builder. And when he destroys, he does it to build. When he designs, he does it to build. Have you ever gone back to a place that you helped be a part in building? I remember going back to Sarnia, just driving by the place where I helped put the foundations for the plant, and there's, it's, just, it's a big chemical plant now. It's like, whoa, like, that wasn't there, and now it is. I remember going to, back to the, the place where we built the, the, the meat packing place. Now there's this warehouse where there's trucks going in now. It's like, whoa. People are getting their food from Loblaws now that didn't before from this place. I remember uh, one of my favorite ones is going back to there's a place where we had to like dig out a bunch of contaminated soil and to fill it in with new clean soil. But that clean soil we got, and I was on that job site, was we basically built a duck pond. So that was the best one, right? A chemical plant versus, oh, beautiful duck pond. Ah, I felt a lot of satisfaction. See what God built. I wonder what it would look like if, I, if uh, Brent or Craig or those who, who were here from the very beginning, 20, 25 years ago, to look back. Like, look, look what God's built. What would it look like 10 years from now when we look back and see what God's built from what he's doing and designing right now? It's a beautiful picture. I remember my first huge rental as a family. Um, 
we, we actually ended up having this, this ugly basement. Like, I, remember I, I took this picture off of Facebook, and Megan actually wrote this in, on Facebook. Being destroyed August 21st, day after move in. Like, she's like, this is, this is being destroyed. We had to gut it, we had to build, dig down. It had this ugly uh, oil furnace. You guys, we had to like, cut it in half in order to get it out. It was, it was built too big to get, even get out of the house. And I remember on the plane that was done, I remember working, I, I, I was, uh, this, is, this is the designs that Megan made to actually turn our basement. So basically turn our house, it was just a bungalow into having two, two bedrooms downstairs and kind of renovating the whole thing. I remember working hard on my little clean up the floors and stuff. But I remember in the end, we had a pretty little home in Toronto that was designed and built out of kind of the ugliness, the chaos. The fact that God himself is taking our lives and, and building, taking our church and building. God is building us up. And so I, I want to just take it personally for a moment and ask, what, what stage am I at right now? Do I feel probably a little bit of, you know, there's always some destroying going on when you're doing some building. Or, but what stage do you feel you're at with God. Are you, are you in a destroying phase? Does it feel like God's just ripping some things out and it hurts? You're like, ah, oh, God, no more. Maybe there's the dividing walls of hostility in your life that you're like, actually, God, I need you to tear that down. We know it's just kind of like a bad tooth, right? You hate it. My kids are like, no, no, I don't want a dentist. But they're in so much pain, and finally when you pull that tooth, the relief comes. Are you in a place right now where God is working and, and ripping some things down, and it's not nice? We need to remember, let God do his demolition. He does it for a purpose. It's not easy. It might hurt at first. I imagine the Jewish believers, when you're hearing this new message from Paul, you know what? It's, it's exciting and it's true, but there might be a part of me as a Jewish believer that might have been like, oh, it's a little bit, oh, I like being special. I like that the Spirit of God rested in this one building in my country. I liked the sense that my people were the select chosen people of God. And it hurts a little bit to lose that. But really, when you embrace the larger vision, you see the truth of the beauty of the goodness of who God is and the role that you get to play in it as a Gentile believer of Jesus Christ. Well, that hopefully would help blow that up. You realize, I see God's design and I am going to be one of his builders. Maybe you're in the design stage right now. Maybe you're in a place where Things have been kind of brought down. You're at, you're, maybe it's retirement, you're in a new place in life. Maybe you're thinking of going to school in a new place in life. Maybe you're in a new city. Maybe a new time in your family's, whatever it is. Maybe you're in a time where God's like, okay, I've got something to work with here. We're, we're pressing the restart button. What are, what are we going to build out of this? Is God right now designing? And is that hard because you don't know what that design looks like? I mean, as a church, I think that's somewhat where we're at. We're like, what is the design, God? What is the vision? Where do, you, where do you want to take us? Maybe he wants to do something new. I, I have to say, 
um, I've been looking around and just thinking about this newness, and I've been inspired by some of the things that families have been doing. I think of the Springles fostering. Makes me think, oh, like, but maybe need some redesigning. The Farrens with adoption. So their families I see taking steps, and I'm like, oh, I have to always be open to the new. What is God doing in, in, in our life? How is he challenging me to think, what is his vision for me right now? For my church, for my family, for me personally. What is he designing? Maybe you're at the building stage. I was just talking to someone after the last service. They're like, yeah, I'm definitely in the build. And I was like, okay, now I got this path in front of me, but um, whew, this one's going to take some time. Do you ever feel that in your life where you're like, you're in the building stage, like, oh yeah, I know where I'm going. Oh, it's going to take me five years to do this. You, you see he's in the process of adding the pieces you need, and I just want to say to you, stick with him. Depend on his grace. Remember, it's not you who's building it. It's him. So trust in him. Wait on him. Work with him. Allow him to build up the thing that he's building up in you and in us. Because we're built. We're his handicraft, it says. And guess what we're built for? For good works. He's made us and built into us so that he can use us to build into others. We can share the good news of Christ. We can help feed the poor, clothe the naked, help those in need, free the oppressed. Like that part of the, the call, Jesus is calling us outwards, realizing he's building us up to be his handiwork so that then we can become his handy people who are helping doing whatever little projects he's building us. Maybe one of us gets the cubicle over here, one of us gets the master bedroom, but he's building up this thing. And we're part of that. So the good works are not about me trying to get to God. It's about God getting to others through me and using me. And I am saved in grace. Everything is grace, right? Everything, everything is gravy. Everything is gracey. It's, there's, there, there, this world is imbued with the grace of Christ if you open your hands to it. If you receive that gift that he's offering to us. And as we receive it, then we're able to look at the design that he's doing and guess what? Each of you have a role to play on the design. He's given you a special gift. He's made you unique in certain areas, giving you gifts that he wants to be used in concert. Remember how I talked about in unity? He's building us up together in unity. That, that as we are built up together as a church, we're able to use our gifts in that, in that place. Some people are helping set up communion. Some people are, are serving in worship. Some people are, are greeting at the doors. Some people are in leadership. Some people are teaching. Some people, there's so many gifts people are helping in the Sunday school. There's so many different things, but he's knitting us together so that as a whole, we each play our little part in the design, but there's this beautiful temple that he is building up through this. And so we see what God is building, a temple in which he dwells and loves his people, where he is worshipped and enjoyed forever. And I pray that we would take his challenge, that we would allow ourselves, whatever stage we're in, to be built by God. I think about the Lord's Supper. And today we're going to approach the table. And we need to remember that the essence of the table, again, will capture this theme of 
destroying and designing and building. He destroyed your guilt before God. Your sin is destroyed. It's obliterated. It's wiped out. It's washed clean. You are no longer shameful. You are no longer held in any place where you can be condemned. He has destroyed the old way. You are free. And now he's, he's redesigning a new life in Christ. The design is that we will live a life in Christ, filled by the Holy Spirit who walks us through our lives. And he's building us into the very image of his son, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself for our freedom. He has destroyed sin. He is redesigning a new humanity. And he is building us up even now. And I pray that as we receive the bread and the juice, that that will be part of his building up with us today. Let's pray. God, we come before you excited. We know that you have a vision. You have a vision for this church across the planet. You have a vision for this church forest view. You have a vision for each and every single one of us as individuals. Lord God, we pray that we would allow you to destroy whatever is in our life or in our collective lives. Whatever you need to take away so you can begin to build. We pray, Lord God, that we would accept your design, that we would hear from your voice, that you would speak into us. Allow us to see where you want us to take us. Go give us the vision we need, God, please. And then, God, we pray that we would carry out our part as you build up your church, where we serve and build up as, even as we are being built by you. As we come to the table today, we receive this body that was broken, Lord God, so that we could live. We receive the gift of your blood that was shed so that you could destroy the sting of pain and death and sin. And we ask, Lord God, that you will welcome us and embrace us, fill us with your spirit so that we can continue as we walk out these doors to be a people who are built by God. Amen.